I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to It Never Gets Old, a firsthand account of all things secondhand and sustainable. This is a podcast about the burgeoning, exploding resale secondhand fashion economy, what it means for your wallet, what it means for the future of our fashion economy, what it means for the planet. I'm your host, Meredith Feynman, and I'm joined by my bestie in the Westie, Sarah Lane. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Mayor. I'm super excited for this episode because you are a champion negotiator. I know this about you. And I fall into that other camp of people who find it to be a little uncomfortable. And there's some tricks that I'm ready to learn. Yes. Today's episode is all about negotiating online and offline. It's something that a lot of you have written and asked me to talk about a little bit more, depending on the platform, depending on the situation. And it's something that I employ a lot in business in my day-to-day life, running a communications company. But it definitely also factors into how comfortable I am resale shopping. But Sarah, first, I wanted to just say how excited I was. I feel like people are just really catching on to secondhand, to resale as a means for shopping effectively, cost-wise, time-wise, but also in terms of the environment. There have been about five articles, I think, in the past week that have just totally talked about why resale is the new thing. Yeah, and I think... I think a lot of it has to do with the public awareness, which is super important, obviously. We, you know, once we change our habits, then we tend to stick with them if they're better habits. Also, we have so many more tools. The idea of shopping sustainably, for me anyway, just a few short years ago would have been, well, it's the right thing to do, but it's more of a hassle. And now it's easier than buying new things. I just had to learn how. Totally. And so I'm looking at something from today, which now when you're listening to this won't be today. But uh, New York Magazine put out a piece and there have been a lot of pieces about Depop, which is funny because Depop and what I'd like to do is interview some youths and interview some teens. But Depop has definitely turned a new generation, Gen Z, current teenagers onto why thrifting in why secondhand is so fun and is so cool and really keeps up with our sort of internet heavy, meme heavy vibe in the way we speak about things. And we'll get into that more when we talk more about Depop. But in this New York Magazine article, it does give the statistic, which a lot of people have been talking about, that the resale market is expected to double in the next five years, which actually would make it bigger than fast fashion, which is 
a really a win for everyone as far as I'm concerned. It's less stuff and better prices and more consciousness. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, fewer items, but better items. I mean, of course, you could you can buy fast fashion secondhand just like you could anything else. So that is really going to be cheap. But the idea that I can get quality stuff that is perfect for me, that is not going to break my bank and is not going to contribute to, yes, the clothing junk spillover that is is currently, you know, we're, tr- we're trying to do something about that. It just makes me feel good. Totally. And, you know, listen, we all, sometimes I shop at Zara. I buy socks at Forever 21. Said it before, I'll say it again. None of us are perfect consumers. That's not the standard to which you should hold yourself. But it is exciting that the industry is taking note and it's now too big to ignore. <laughs> So let's get into negotiation. I love negotiating, but I know many, many people do not. Sarah, does that include you? It does. And I've actually negotiated somewhat recently that I feel I feel we both walked away from, meaning we've made a sale and we both walked away from it uh, happy and satisfied. But it took it took some effort and I stepped out of my comfort zone and I did some haggling and it doesn't always work out in your favor, but it is is—it is a skill. It is an art form. I get, uh, and some of this is in Brag Better, uh, the book that I'm in the middle of finishing, at least this first round that will be out next June with Portfolio at Penguin Random House. This idea that arguing for value, whether you're arguing on one end that people should pay more money for what you're selling or on your end that you should pay less is something that causes a lot of people anxiety. A couple reasons why. One, you're not really trained to talk about money very often. We have assigned so many emotions. We've assigned so many taboos to really talking about money. And I have found through running my own business for eight and a half years that Uh, I have come to love talking about money, but I think that it goes further back than that. I was never uncomfortable necessarily talking about money. My mom in particular talks openly about money and is always looking for good prices. And she is like the queen of haggling. So I think that I saw from that that it was something that you didn't have to be afraid of that you could lean into. But the biggest thing that I want to convey is that a negotiation is a conversation. It's never about asking yes or no questions. Some of these end up in classic negotiation tactics, but you never want to get into a binary situation where it's just a yes or no answer. So I assume a lot of this would be done either in person or on some back channel of a platform. So give me an example of a yes or no question that should be avoided. Would you take $20 for this? Right, because that means if they don't like that question, then the conversation just sort of dies, right? Totally. So how do you make sure that a negotiation, or in this case, whether it's something you really want to buy, is a conversation? And that's the way you should approach it. I mean, I tell people this, whether they're haggling on resale sites or they're doing this, you know, in their careers. As I said, it's a conversation, but likely the person on the other side is uncomfortable as well. And I think that's something that a lot of us forget is that it's a conversation that involves two people. And it's not about animosity or making someone feel that whatever they have is not worthy of X, Y, and Z money, but understanding that in order to get the best price, going back and forth sometimes is expected. 
in the most extreme situations in person, we're talking about like open air markets, recently being in Israel and being in a, a lots of different open air markets where they're selling fake golden goose sneakers, which is a whole other conversation. It's just expected as part of the experience when you are in an open air market. I don't know, Sarah, like if you know, you've traveled, I've been to flea markets in those scenarios where you are you know, negotiating over the price of something. Absolutely. In fact, I've done quite a bit of global travel and in India in particular, where there is an abundance of beautiful jewelry, uh, particularly silver jewelry, which is like good silver jewelry that isn't very expensive to start with. In fact, it's very inexpensive, depending on where you are, of course, but by and large, you can get beautiful jewelry deals. I found myself in negotiation situations. And again, this is probably, you know, in many cases, somebody who didn't speak much English, if any. So there's that. It depends on where you are and who you're talking to. But when I started to get frustrated and uncomfortable, the person often would look at me with sort of a quizzical expression, like, why aren't you playing along? Because it was expected. And I was the one who would be like, yeah, I mean, I only have this many rupees in my hand. It's like, this is what I'm offering, yes or no. And that was just the wrong way to go about it. And I would end up walking away frustrated a lot of the time. Yeah, so in those situations, in bigger markets, in open air markets, in flea markets, places, like bottom line, what I will say is in terms of room for negotiation, one, a lot of times it's expected. Sarah, in that situation, it was expected. Uh, you know, many things like that are expected. There is room if it's not a large corporate structure. Like you can't walk into Barney's, though now you potentially can because they're filing for bankruptcy and like walk over to the new Balenciaga handbags and be like, <laughs> I'll give you X amount of money for this or like, hey, like, can you give me like 60 percent off? Like, that's not something you can do for so many reasons. One, that's not how they make money. Two, they keep the cachet of being a place that like doesn't go on sale. But three, like the number of calls that would have to be made and by like the person in charge is the person who can sign off, make something yeah. less money. So like that's one thing to think about, too, is like, is this person in charge of the money? Are they holding the purse strings? Are they even able to make this call? If they are, that is the person to ask about a price. Now, again, that does not apply. I don't want you going into like Bloomingdale's and trying to like haggle with salespeople. Like that's not what I'm talking about here. But we're mostly talking about resale. We're mostly talking about secondhand. So what about in a consignment secondhand store? Same rules apply if it's a chain. Very occasionally, this has happened at Crossroads, let's say, which is a chain of resale stores. And that's usually only on their very, very high-end consignment garments. But again, thinking about who's in charge, of fixing these prices, who's in charge. So, you know, that won't work at a place like that. But independent businesses, independent consignment shops, vintage shops, they often have what I call the, the key phrase is the room, room. So something that I use a lot and is a way of asking for a discount that feels okay is asking if someone has any room on something. As in, as in wiggle room. As in wiggle room. So Sarah, let's say, you know, I'm at Consignment Brooklyn, which is formerly Eva Gentry Consignment, and I see a pair of pants I love, and I know that they're a small independent business, and I want to respect that too. This is about respecting store owners. I'll actually tell a story about that in a second, but, you know, I see a pair of pants I love, and I walk up to the salesperson, and some of these instances is a small business. They're able to make these calls, and I say, like, hey, I really love these. Like, do you have any room on them? Are you open to talking about price? 
the two things to always use, and it's funny, I use this in business all the time, is are you open to something? That is not a yes or no. It's this conversation. It's ongoing. Again, you don't want to close a door. Yeah, it's like it's like saying, are you a reasonable person? And it kind of makes them want to say, well, yes, I am. Let's talk. Yeah, and I guess it's, you know, a, a sales tactic more than anything. But it also, asking if someone's open to something, if they have room, like these are open-ended terms that are not combative that are not confrontational that aren't going to make that person uncomfortable and with consignment shops and resale shops they can have room quote unquote if something's been there for a while so in I have insanely expensive taste as has been established many times so usually I'll pick out and ask if there's something you know if there's room on something that's just coming through the door in which case they can't do anything about it right because they haven't given other people enough chance to be like I want this more than anything I'm just gonna buy it Yeah, I mean, someone else will likely pay that price for it. But I told this story in a previous podcast, and I'll tell it again, because I think that it's worth worth noting is that I, I watched someone do this very incorrectly. I was in a friend's consignment store because I am the ducky of consignment stores. I hang out up front and dance and wear crazy outfits. I love pretty and pink so much. Uh, <laughs> but I... I was witnessing this woman and she was an out of towner. She told me that like I wasn't like, oh, you're from out of town. (laughs) And I watched her pick up a garment and say to my friend, like, I'll give you a hundred bucks for this. And she wasn't reading the room. Mm -hmm. She was giving a yes or no answer. And she also wasn't even leaving room for my friend to reply. Right. It was this is what I'm doing. It was it's like a demand, really, more than a polite request. Right. So like, that's definitely not the way to do it. My friend was like, sorry, this is how it's priced. And afterwards, she said to me, had that woman been more courteous about it, I probably would have given her 10, 15 percent off. I mean, it, it, it pays literally and figuratively to read the room, to be cautious, but also, you know, stand strong in in what you want and believe. But, you know, you also have to decide if you're going to walk away, Sarah, like sometimes in negotiation, you're not here for it. And you need to decide what something is is worth to you. But again, it's also about respect. So I have a friend who runs a different store. It's actually not a consignment store. One of the few few places I ever, ever, ever shop that, that isn't secondhand. And he was saying a woman came into the store and was looking at this fancy handbag. And she said to him, like, can you give me a discount on it? So he knocked $50 off. So it was an expensive bag. But again, this is the same idea. He's in charge. If you're talking to the person who's in charge, they can make that call. And I think it was like a $500 bag. So he said, I'll give it to you for $450. And she's like, no, that's okay. And he was like, how about $400? Then he was like, well, I'm just going to keep... Then he was curious because a lot of, you know, he wasn't sure if this woman was just what she wanted or if she actually wanted it or wanted to buy it. And he kept going. (laughs) And he went as low as $100. And she said, and she said no, because he kept just, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let's see like what this person actually wants to pay for this. And I was really mad I wasn't there because I would have bought it because it's new season and would have immediately sold it for more money. But, you know, so again, it's about respecting a store owner and understanding this is their business, but also realizing that Sometimes you're just expected to ask these questions, not necessarily in that scenario, but online you are, which I'll get into. Yeah, I've definitely been in physical stores. I mean, not this doesn't happen all the time, but it's definitely happened to me multiple times over the years where let's say I've already decided I'm going to buy the shirt. You know, I put it on the counter and I say, I'm going to still look around for a few minutes, but I'm definitely getting this. And they go, okay, you know, and so they kind of start getting it ready and they notice that I'm 
maybe, maybe going to purchase some more things. And then they'll say to me, hey, I'll, you know, I'll knock 15% off this shirt that I know you already want if you end up buying that sweater that you're holding right now. And in every case, it's always led to me getting a couple, a couple more things, not only because I'm like, cool sale, but because I feel flattered that I have been, you know, sort of granted this gift by somebody who liked me enough to, to give me a little bit of a deal. At the same time, I realize that that's also something that I might have politely brought up instead. Yeah. And I think that a lot of store owners realize that we're living in an era of resale. We're living in an era where people want to make more conscious choices and decisions and what they're going to spend their money on. And, you know, retail is going through a major change as everyone starts to rent everything, as everyone starts to walk into stores that are the real real instead of Barney's, um, that they also need to, to compete. So I think, you know, making those calls uh, is something that people can do and ultimately want to do because they want you to buy something. And even if it's at a little bit of a, a discount, those store owners have have that wiggle room, I think, to really then they'd rather create a customer or repeat customer in you, Sarah, than they would just say, oh, oh, no. And like have you walk out and maybe not go back in. Absolutely. Like so many services, the repeat customers, those are the people that you want. <laughs> about negotiating and haggling offline some of the most aggressive situations you know in flea markets or open air markets uh where i enjoy getting into shouting matches and i feel like some of these vendors who've been doing this for many years also enjoy this so we're having basically a conversation just talking really loud uh but let's talk about online because i was specifically asked about poshmark and we can start there i will say that with secondhand, you are able to negotiate even when it tells you you can't. So it's the same idea as thinking about a large conglomerate who's in control of the money. You need to figure out who's in control and get to that person. So for the real real, like there is no negotiating, if only. Like if you like it, you buy it. Otherwise, you don't. But on a place like Poshmark, which openly encourages bidding, and I think that actually all resale sites, including tradesy, including Depop, places that don't have an offer button uh, are really missing out. I mean, listen, that is the that is the point of eBay, literally, like people created a business model on bidding on things mm -hmm. and, and how humans would like to do that and try to get a better price or something. But someone messaged me specifically about Poshmark and, you know, figuring out how to negotiate on that site in particular. With Poshmark, I will say, when you are on a site that does encourage bidding, offers, an eBay or Poshmark, let's say, people expect you to bid. I'm thinking about all the sales I've made on Poshmark. It's very rare that someone just outright buys something that I'm selling unless it is super of the moment and impossible to find anywhere else. Like it's always a negotiation. You're always expected to negotiate. And because of that, I do this and I would imagine other people do. I inflate the prices somewhat on my listings. So let's say I really want something to sell for $100. I'm going to list it at $145 in the hopes that then I, you know, haggle with someone till they get down to $100. Right. Yeah, I as somebody who still never sold anything on Poshmark, I'm 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 in the kiddie pool of Poshmark still. But boy, have I bought some stuff. I mean, I'm into jewelry and makeup at this point, Mare. It's it's a it's it's crazy town over here. But <laughs> I also assume that 
as well. When someone, in fact, I'm looking for like charms for this necklace because I'm a crazy person right now. And there is a charm that I actually really like. It's a Luxus Batar. I've seen it before. And it's listed at $75. I assume that it'll go for 50, right? And that's what I would do as well because you figure if you go back and forth a couple times, we're going to meet in a friendly middle spot somewhere. Totally. And I feel like that's how my sales or purchases on Poshmark usually go. I find it interesting when people in their listings on Poshmark put like no negotiation, like price is firm is what people will say. Mm -hmm. Price is firm. I'm always surprised by that because I'm sort of like, if the price is firm, why are you selling it on this platform that openly encourages, yeah, encourages bidding? Like, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. And if anything, that just turns me off from wanting to potentially buy their product. I feel like you have to somewhat like buy into this to the platform and what it espouses and like play the game. I would say as a practice, like a lot of places don't let you bid like too, too obnoxiously low. So like if it'll stop you if something's $600 and you're trying to put in a bid for 40 bucks, like it'll say like, hi, your bid has to be at least X and Y and Z. So, you know, respect those numbers. But I do think that people really expect you um, to make deals. And that's sort of how these sites in the world go around. Now, sometimes it's gone a little sour for me. I think I've said before, I've gotten into some Poshmark beef, (laughs) but I expect people to negotiate with me. I enjoy it. And maybe that's just fucking rude of me sometimes when someone's trying to make some money, but that's what I like to do. Also be careful that you don't behave like me and then just start like making random offers like, oh, whatever. I'll just like throw in that, throw in that, not expecting the person to take it and then just open up your phone and have six new orders because they took all of your bids. <laughs> uh, be aware that that's also that's also an occupational hazard. Right. Yeah. Me- mean what you say when you bid something. Well, that's why I sort of go. I veer on what I think is rudely low. But I expect them to be like, well, no. I mean, for a $75 charm, I'm not going to give it to you for 35 But now I'm at 55 where I'm like, okay, $20 just got knocked off of this. Like, maybe we can, like, agree on 45 So uh, I like to give myself a little, again, wiggle room when it comes to that without being too offensive. Yes. And that is, like, to wrap up this part of negotiation, I definitely want to say, too, is, like, being considerate of your fellow buyers and sellers, like when I'm selling things and people send me really low offers, it, listen, if I really want to get something out the door, I'm like, fine. <laughs> but for the most part, I would say that, you know, that definitely it's a conversation. It goes it goes both ways. It's a two way street, but it's it's to be expected. And on other platforms, you if you're able to send messages to sellers, uh, you can also ask them if they have I use that phrase, any room on the price, and you would be really surprised. That has led people to lowering things by like, you know, I would say on average 20%, and then they change the price and then you can buy it. So you never know. I bought a cardigan on Poshmark over the weekend and it's because I'm the queen of buying things I already have. I used to have the same cardigan in a different color. It's like not reversible, but it there's snaps on it. It's hard to explain, but it's sort of two cardigans in one. You can wear it two different ways. It's great. So it was in a different color and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this cardigan. I really want this. It was listed at 70. I think I offered 35. Yeah, I just straight up 50% of it. And we went back and forth and weirdly and we were we were negotiating within Poshmark's uh, negotiation back end I made an offer she countered I made another one she countered we went back and forth a few times to the point where it was getting a little silly like I even I raised my last offer up like 
a dollar. Oh, I've been in those, please. I've been in, like, then you get real petty. Like, I've gotten very, everyone gets really petty. And I've, I've done that with people. Well, yeah, because it's like, who's going to, who's going to wave the white flag first? And I just was, I don't know, in the right mood. So I was just like, and what she did was, it was sort of sneaky on her part. On the actual product listing, where people can publicly ask questions and have conversations, instead of just privately messaging me, she wrote and tagged me like, hey, Sarah, this has been so fun, but I just want to let you know I'm not going to be able to go any lower. And I was like, eh, all right, well, okay, the negotiation is over, so it's it's her price at this point or nothing. But also, like, she kind of, like, brought all our dirty laundry out for everybody else to see. I ended up buying it. The shade. <laughs> the shade. I know. I was like, good work, girl. Fine. Oh, my God, that's really funny. Well, yeah, so I've totally gotten situations where we go, like, they say 200 I say 100 and then we go by $5 increments and $5 and $5, and then they stop at, like, the last five dollars like just to like you know then it's a ten dollar differential and they they stop moving right. they, they won't budge and then I'm like never mind I don't want it because then I get like too proud I'm like no fuck that like <laughs> I'm not playing that game right or yes by like a dollar and dollar and then you like meet in the middle or you both like randomly stop and it's it gets really petty I mean talk send us emails and DMs about your pettiness or maybe when this has gone really great or terribly or if you have a trick that we don't even know about like please enlighten us so enough about negotiation as a buyer let's talk about the other end negotiation as a seller so I'm trying to think of all the things I've done to get the most amount of money and be able to move my stuff well negotiating well on my own behalf so if you're a seller one thing as I said is you inflate your pricing um, and then hope that someone will meet you at the price you really want you don't want to list an item if you really want 75 bucks for it for $75 because someone's gonna look at that as we've been discussing and saying okay and get that for 50 and then you end up with a raw deal for yourself so I would say pad that number a little bit Know what your bottom line is, I think, is is the best thing, too. I've been in scenarios where I want to make money for something and I'm flipping it. So if you're selling and negotiating for yourself, you know, flipping would be buying something way low, like a, that Balenciaga jacket I got for $85 and then sold on the real real for 1000 But it's also about knowing like what you want out of it. Sometimes I just want to get my money back. Like if there's a pair of earrings that I only wore once and decided I didn't really want, I'm like, okay, I just want to sell them and get back what I paid for it essentially and, and break even. You kind of have to know what you want to go in for with that. For me, and something I've talked about a lot is how I use the money I make from selling clothing so that I can fund my own shopping habits. <laughs> You know, and it just goes around and around and around again. Besides Poshmark, Sarah, have you sold anything online anywhere like eBay or Grailed or? No, I have not. eBay for a multitude of reasons, partly because the website, it's gotten better, but it's somewhat ugly. I feel like I'm rummaging through a 99 cent store on eBay, even though that's a super unfair way to, to describe it. I also am shipping product averse. Like if I have to go to like the post office or UPS store or FedEx, or I have to find like packing tape or a box, I'm one of those people who's like, eh, too hard. I know that that's stupid. And I know that I am 
robbing myself of money that I could have, but it is a barrier to entry. Don't worry, Sarah, because in an upcoming episode, I'm going to go into some best practices for selling um, that will help maybe break down that fear because one of my great joys as someone who basically, it's funny, I the front my front desk people, I was like, they're like, we, you sell your clothing on the internet? And I was like, yeah, All I, why do you think I bring you so many outgoing boxes? And they're like, I don't know. We just thought you were like buying stuff and then returning it. Like maybe you're just returning everything. And I was like, no, like <laughs> half of what I spend my time doing is like selling clothing on the internet. But no, my greatest joy is that I have a printer uh, and that I have a 12 pack of packing tape. And that I save all my like Amazon Prime now or whatever for groceries, which has, I will call out, has a disgusting amount of packaging. I will use those like poofy sleeves and and Mm -hmm. then I'll paw through the recycling in my building as long as it's like not covered in bugs and smells okay. I do. I do check for that. Yeah. All I'm ever doing. I have like three tape guns. So there's nothing wrong then with a person buying a really cute bum bag from you and it arriving in an Amazon box, even though that had nothing to do with the buying and selling experience. That's cool. Well, you know, some people really go above and beyond. And this is something I've not gotten into with Poshmark is like, we're talking a lot about haggling, but I also, some of these communities and some of these places are my favorite places on the internet. And I would say more of these experiences in real life. One reason why I wanted to create It Never Gets Old and share this community was that The world of secondhand, people that are really into it, people that buy and sell all the time, is this sort of fun camaraderie that I can't totally explain. Like, I remember selling at Crossroads recently, and this woman and I were bonding over this, like, cool tote bag I had, and I gave it to her. I was like, oh, I just, you know, I have a bunch of these, like, please take it. And she was like, really? She's like, do you want to sell it to me? Like... And, and I was like, no, just take it, like, you know, shout out to the hunt, like, and keep going. Um, that is, like, just a really fun thing. It's, a, it's a different from other shopping experiences. You kind of feel like you're all in it together. But something that's really amazing about Poshmark that I have not gone above and beyond about, although I will say if you do get a box from me, it will be covered in stickers because I love stickers. I collect them. I put them all over everything. So you might get an Amazon box, but it will be covered in likely bandeau stickers, is people will write notes to you. And people will go above and beyond and do like extra little samples of things. Like I ordered a secondhand like SkinCeuticals. It was sealed. And this girl like sent me a nice note and like two little product samples. And it was so cute. Yeah, I've gotten a few of those notes as well. Sometimes it's just the product and whatever. I'm not expecting anything. But I've gotten some adorable handwritten notes. You know, hi, Sarah. Thanks so much. You know, it's it's clearly was handwritten by somebody, you know, and it's not just some like canned response. And even though part of me then felt bad about throwing out this cute card that it was kind of just a waste. And sometimes there's they're wrapped in adorable wrapping paper inside the box where I'm like, man, now I'm just throwing that out too. But at the same time, it is a very nice gesture and it does make me feel warm and fuzzy on some level. It is cute. It, it That's one thing about these peer-to-peer sites that's kind of special. You know, as much as I love the real real, as much as I love the scaling and explosion of this industry, something I hope doesn't change, and this is true of a place like Etsy, where a lot of people buy vintage clothing, You know, people put a lot of extra care and thought, whether you use it or not, like this girl. I forget what I bought from her, but she sent me this like stuffed bee keychain. 
And I was like, well, that's random. But um, thank you so much. It's cute. And I hope that that doesn't go away. So I do hope that people like the sustainability aspect of my reusing an Amazon box. But I'll cover it in stickers. Yay. I haven't gotten to notes yet. Like maybe I should have like a signature thing I put in there. Maybe. I also think, you know, circling back into the negotiation part of it is especially if a negotiation had gone back and forth and maybe taken a little while to, to make a sale, having that extra little like, hey, thanks so much, you know, like I appreciate you. I think that goes a long way to getting that person to be a repeat customer of yours. A hundred percent. And that's a part of the negotiation too, is you have to decide whether, Sarah, as you're saying, you want to create an experience for someone that makes them want to continue buying from you. For me personally, let's say on like a Poshmark, I have a little like graphic that I made. Like lots of people make little graphics. I'm like, so at the beginning of this, if you're really into that, please like hit me up. If you have a shop that like has all these like fun little promotional things, it'll say like sale, whatever. But mine does say same day shipping because all I want to do is sell that thing, download that label to my phone, send it to the printer and open up my tape gun. <laughs> be like, I am ready for you. And then bring <laughs> it to my bring it to my front desk person who's like, I guess you're returning clothing again. Which is great because like on your end of it, you're keeping the momentum going, right? Like it's like, this is like an energy thing that you've got right now, you want to do it. But it's helpful because the other person's like, nice, same day shipping. You know, that's something you usually have to pay extra for. Totally. And that's something that like when you're not using a traditional means, traditional quote unquote, like an Amazon or a big box store, like that selling window is pretty big. So one of my negotiation tactics is that like as soon as you buy it, it will be going out of my door. And so that that's really helpful to when you're when you're sitting on the other side. That's what I do to keep up sales uh, and to really make sure that people give you good reviews um, and that you build that up. a ton about negotiating on both sides as a buyer as a seller i want to hear from you ingo listeners how do you haggle how do you negotiate what has worked what has just gone up in flames i'm now thinking about some like bad canal street experiences of my own but you can find us online at ingopodcast.com you can email us questions comments love letters at hello at ingopodcast you can also slide into the DMs, ask questions. This Poshmark haggling question actually came through a DM at INGO Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. And this is, as negotiation is, part of a conversation. So we want to hear from you. I'm your host, Meredith Feynman, and we'll be back soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.